Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. It is a Saturday morning here in the beautiful city of Seattle, as uh, everywhere else around this beautiful country of ours. Welcome to another edition of Drive Time Radio with yours truly, your congenial host, your man about town, your driving fool, New York Vinny. That's me. Somebody said to me once, Vinny, where did you get the name New York Vinny? And I was taken aback. I mean, I got it in New York, but actually I didn't get it in New York. I got it in Berkeley, California. At a radio station there, I was wanted to get into radio, was doing traffic, did traffic to start. And the uh, host of the show, I just couldn't help but notice my New York accent. So he said, yeah, you're Vinny from New York. We're going to call you New York Vinny. And that's how I got the name. And it has served me uh, quite well. That was back in what, 1984. Wow, has it been that long? Yeah, 1984. Anyway, uh that's who I am. Who are you? Well, I'm sure that you are uh, lots of different people out there listening because you're into cars, uh, because you were listening to the show before and you're too lazy to get up to change the station, or maybe you just enjoy the sound of my voice. Whatever the reason is, we thank you for uh, being along for the ride. And as I said, uh, on Facebook Live, you can always catch us on Facebook Live. Uh, you just go to my page at uh and Facebook, uh, you know, on Facebook, NY Vinny Ricci, and that will get you to our, uh, that'll get you to our page, uh, or you can also go to our other page, which is uh, Drive Time Radio and TV, which will get you to um, uh, to our page as well. So we really appreciate, uh, you know. As I said, you're listening, and let's get uh, get on with the show. A lot of stuff going on this week in the world of automotive. Lots of different things uh, going on. One of the uh, well, well, one of the things that I saw this week, and I, if you've listened to this show since we went back on the air in Seattle back in November, uh, you know what a fan of the small pickup truck I am. Uh, You know, why should you be robbed of the pickup truck experience if you live in a city? Uh, You know, such a a fun vehicle, such a practical vehicle, such a useful vehicle, uh, the pickup truck is. And, you know, when you have these these huge Jugunda pickup trucks uh, that we're seeing roll off the assembly lines today, the big moneymakers for the companies, you, uh, you know, you, you kind of feel left out of it because even if you have the money to afford to buy that vehicle, let's say you have a spare uh, 60,000, 70,000 lying around the bank and you say, ah, you know, I'm going to spend it on a pickup. You still have a whole set of problems. Where are you going to park it? Uh, you know, a vehicle that seems to nowadays want to take up, you know, a space and a half, it's not easy to park if you live within the confines of a city like New York or San Francisco uh, or Los Angeles. You know, Los Angeles is probably a little bit better because uh, they're more built around car culture. But some of these older cities, 
Do you imagine living in downtown Boston and owning a huge pickup truck? Be brutal. Uh, and it, there was a time when auto companies addressed that. The pickups weren't as, as big as they are now, uh, but uh, you know they went to their foreign divisions or, or cut deals with foreign companies. And you had such uh, you know such such great vehicles as the Mazda Rotary pickup and the Ford Courier and the Chevy Love and uh, even you know you look at Toyota's pickups now and they're as big as their American counterparts, but back then you don't have the little Toyota Hilux. It was built on like a Corolla chassis. And they slipped, uh, you know, uh, um, they took some spare parts off, off of some other vehicles and stuck them on and forged that little pickup bed. And, you know, for for 4000 bucks, you were on the road. A little four-banger in it with a, a four-speed. And you got to take that thing all over the place. It was a great experience, a great uh, car. Um, and, it, and it gave you... The ability to carry stuff along with you, uh, you know, a bigger sheet of plywood, um, you know, go to garage sales. If you had a maneuver around the city, there was nothing like them. But those trucks grew and grew and grew and grew. So now, you know, when you go in the showroom to buy a, a Silverado or an F-150, uh, you know, you're coming out with this truck that's, you know, 22 feet long and, you know, 10 feet wide. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous because uh, uh, to the car companies, bigger is better. The bigger they build a vehicle, I think the more they can charge you for it, to be honest. And these are, uh, and, and, you know, Americans have bit on this philosophy, you know, like a catfish on a hot afternoon down in Mississippi, man, it goes right for that worm. And so you now have the situation, you have all these huge trucks that people really, in essence, don't use that much. But they want to drive something that's as big on the road as everybody else. They feel cheated. They feel it's unsafe to uh, to drive a vehicle. So that's not as big as the other pickups. And listen, the car companies have done a really good job of turning these vehicles, these, these trucks, into luxury cars. I mean, you get to the interior of a Ram or a, a, an F-150. I was, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. Uh, I was driving an F-150 Platinum this week. And I mean, it had every option that a Cadillac has, except, uh, you know, some of the navigation stuff. But it was really... I mean, it was a, it was big. It was comfortable. It was like driving your living room around. Had video screens, uh, great uh, B and O uh, stereo system, and built for the boss. As a matter of fact, if if I were going to name this truck anything, it would be the boss, because you could see it was really built for somebody in a management position, somebody who needed uh, their laptop needed to um, uh, relax somewhere and maybe grab a cup of coffee and sit there and 
you know, write orders and, and do whatever, you know, people are doing or measure stuff or call in. It was an office on wheels that also would very easily transfer to being, um, you know, a luxury cruiser on the weekends to take your boat uh, out to the lake or your family somewhere. It was a spectacular vehicle. But if you live in the city, you get cheated because where are you going to park it? Where are you going to put it? Do you need that much vehicle? Well, Hyundai has kind of come up with the idea that, no, you don't need that much vehicle. That we can build a vehicle similar to what was around years ago that can be, um, you know, can fit in that urban adventure environment. I mean, it's good for off, you know, for, uh, you know, people that live in the country and a smaller vehicle, you can go get the groceries, you can do all of that kind of stuff. But for people that live in the urban environment, it appears to be easy to park. It appears to be nimble. It appears to have a little oomph when you hit the gas for darting in and out of city traffic. It, um, from what you can see and what you read, what you can hear about it, and it will make its full debut, I guess, Friday, April 15th. Was that Thursday? I forget. Whatever April 15th is. Uh, you know, you get the feeling that this is going to be uh, something like we haven't seen before. It's smaller than the Ford Ranger, smaller than the Chevy Colorado. I mean, I guess think, um, you know, the Subaru Baja. Or maybe even before that, the Subaru Brett. Well, Hyundai has come up with this uh, with this vehicle, and uh, they think it's going to be huge for them. I think it's going to be huge for them. I think other manufacturers are going to follow suit. And I think it's cool when you get to watch a manufacturer uh, revive or create a new market segment. And I haven't figured out yet whether they've created it or revived it. Uh, I'll reserve that for when I see the entire vehicle and sit in it and drive it and get a feeling of, of what exactly it's all about. But it looks like fun. It's something that I've been advocating for a long time uh, because I think there is a need uh, for this type of vehicle. And we have to get away, I think, from... I mean, big trucks are okay if you're out in the country, but there's a whole lot of people in the city that want them small trucks, handle better, maneuver better, find parking spaces better, comfortable, connected, so that you can work in it, and all the other reasons that people buy trucks. So I'm excited about this. Hyundai released... A, uh, a video, you know, a, a week ago, they released a couple of teaser photos of the uh, of the Santa Cruz. Uh, this week, they followed that up with uh, a little video. Now, you won't be able, obviously, to hear it on the radio, but you can listen to it. And if you're on YouTube, uh, excuse me, if you're on Facebook with us, you can see it there. Let's uh, just give us audio yet. Hi, 
My name is Brad Arnold, and we are the Hyundai Design Team California. Started designing the Santa Cruz with the premise that this is not a traditional truck, it's something new. It's meant to thrive in dense urban environments and the open outdoors. Small in size, but big in adventure. It supports your work and play activities with both open and closed storage. Constructed by contrast, became our guiding principle throughout the design process. Everything from its proportions to its lighting conveys that it's not a truck, it's a Santa Cruz. I like that. I like the fact that they're creating their own segment. It's not a truck, it's a Santa Cruz. Um, I don't know how, you know, Chevy and Ford are going to feel like that. I know Ford is coming out, or supposed to be coming out with a smaller pickup uh, that they've uh, called the Maverick. Uh, nothing to do with the old Maverick from the 70s. Uh, but uh, they are creating a space there as well. Uh, I think theirs is embroiled more around price than it is uh, maneuverability or hipness or whatever. Santa, uh, the Santa Cruz is definitely trying to thaw, uh, sound like a hip urban vehicle. And I think they might just pull it off. So we'll keep our eye on that. Looking forward to seeing the full premiere of that on the 15th and get a chance to um, uh, to tell you more and actually show you uh, more about that vehicle. I'm excited. I, lo I love the small pickups. I think that uh, it's a segment that's been neglected for a long, long time. And it's about time uh, that, uh, that some manufacturer decided uh, to do something uh, against the grain. And listen, Hyundai is rolling the dice here. But I think they know, as well as uh, all of us know, uh, that these trucks are going to be, if they're good, if they're well-built, if they uh, iron the kinks out of them, which I have no reason to believe that Hyundai wouldn't because it is one of the better cars out there, especially at their price point. I have no reason to believe that they wouldn't do that. So we'll take a quick break here. We'll come back and uh, talk a little bit more about uh, a crime wave that is sweeping uh, the Puget Sound, our listening area. It involves you. It involves your car and uh, what to be on the lookout for. Uh, talk a little bit about what I'm driving this week. And uh, we have a cartoon for you coming up this morning, as well as our our review, our road test of the week. So lots of good stuff coming up for you. It is Drive Time Radio. It's a Saturday morning. I'm New York Vinny, and this is KKNW 1150. No matter how you say it, Cruce con la verde, en el medio pierde. It always means the same thing. Atravesate soltanto al segnale verde, mai nel mezzo della strada. Cross at the green, not in between. Geht arriba de gas, norden wenn es green, nicht ergis zwischen den mitten vom block. It means cross at the corner, never in the middle of the block. Don't walk until the light turns green. Always cross at corners where motorists expect you and where you can see them. Cross at the green, not in between. In any language, it's a way of life. 
Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Use your eyes to look up. Use your ears to hear. Walk up to the corner when the coast is clear. And wait, and wait until you see the light turn green. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Hanging out Saturday morning. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us, being along for the ride. We always enjoy when you uh, are with us and have a good time uh, talking to you. And you can also, by the way, <clears throat> always reach us at Vinny at Drivetime Radio, uh, Drivetime Radio. Dot com. That'll get you into uh, our little world. We'd be happy to uh, to answer questions that you have or so on and so forth, the things that uh, that go along with uh, listening to the show. Uh, you know, crime doesn't stop for a pandemic. Crime doesn't stop for anything, unfortunately, as we see in the news. If you listen to the, uh, to the news radio or you... You uh, watch the local news. I, I mean, I've had to stop watching a lot of the local news because it just gets so heartbreaking at times uh, how people can treat each other uh, the way that we see on uh, you know with some of these uh, programs, uh, with some of these crimes that I should say on some of these news programs. It's disheartening. Uh, I, I watch, uh, you know, <laughs> I watch like the Naked Gun this week. <clears throat> all three of them, you know, I was like, well, you know, maybe next week I'll watch Police Academy or something like that where the crimes are stupid, they make you laugh. But one crime that if you look at your, and I don't know if you belong to any of these local uh, neighborhood sites that, uh, you know, it's either on Facebook or it's, uh, I, I forget what next door I think is the uh, is the local site or it's a, it's a big conglomerate that puts out local sites that you can uh, keep an eye on. Your neighbors are on it, and you get a request to join, and you can keep uh, keep up with all the stuff that's going on in the neighborhood, good and bad. And one of the things that I've noticed now over the past few weeks up in the north end. Uh, you know, northern Seattle, southern Snohomish County, northern King County, is the rise of catalytic converter thefts. You, uh, you know, you park your car at night, you go in the house, and you you come out the next morning, and your car either starts, and it sounds like a Hell's Angels motorcycle, or it won't start because your catalytic converter has been stolen. During the night, thieves have crawled under your car and removed your catalytic converter. And you say, geez, what do they want with that? Well, the, the metals in it are worth money. And so they, the thieves have found that a quick way to make some bucks is to crawl under your car and take out a, a catalytic converter. And it's not cheap to replace. It's not like a muffler where you go in and you replace it, boom. 
uh, Cadillac converter with all the precious metals in there and everything that goes on uh, can run you, you know, up to $1,000 and even more to replace, especially if they cut it off and cut the exhaust pipes. Well, now you got a front exhaust pipe, a rear exhaust pipe, uh, maybe a manifold. I mean, it, it, the repair can really run you in, uh, a lot of money and inconvenience you and put you out of uh, out of uh, commission for a while with your car because there's also uh, a shortage of catalytic converters because of COVID. I mean, that's what they blame it on. Who knows? So you have to now start to think about protecting not only what's in your car, but you also got to think about protecting what's under your car. And the trick here is to make it as hard as possible uh, to get this thing off of your car. Obviously, if you have a garage and you can put it in the garage, that's a great thing. You know, you park it in the garage, you don't worry about it. Lock the door and that's it. Uh, but short of that, if you have to leave your car out on the street, especially, you got to be thinking to be one step ahead of the thieves. And usually the way you stay a step ahead of a thief is to make things tough, extremely tough for them to um, obtain access to your vehicle. Uh, whether that means leaving out in the street, living in a parking lot, um, you know, trying to find a place where uh, it's going to be guarded or, or at least you'll be able to see it or a zoom, uh, not a zoom camera, one of those doorbell cameras can see it. Uh, the other thing that I, I would suggest that you possibly do if you can is you can go and now have a, a cover installed on your catalytic converter, probably tack welded on there so they can't get it off. And if they crawl under there and they see that, chances are they're going to keep going because they it's, you know, it's a crime of opportunity. And if you give them the easy path, the path of least resistance, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to take it. But if they get under there and they see a, a shield under there, or they see some kind of lock, or they see something that will make things difficult for them, there's another car a couple of feet in front of it, another car a couple of feet in back of it. They'll move on, move to somebody else. And if enough people make it difficult, then they'll get out of the business. Um, so it might be worth a trip to your local muffler shop, exhaust shop, and ask them if they, if, if they are installing or selling some kind of catalytic converter safeguard. Uh, something that will, you know, go under the catalytic converter and weld to a cross member or something in your car uh, that's not near the fuel line or something like that, that you'll be able to. It can't be just hit with a hammer and knocked off. You'll be able to, you know, to, to rest a little easy at night. And, you know, $200 spent now may avoid you spending 1000 later plus the inconvenience of not having your car having to have it towed uh, all of the different stuff that happens when somebody steals an important component 
of your car out of the car. It's um, it's just not, uh, you know, it's just a pain. And the cops are getting more and more reports on them. It seems to be the most popular. It used to be car radios. Now a car radio doesn't work. Catalytic converter, uh, you know, they don't care if it works because they're melting it down for the metals inside of it. So they don't care if it, uh, if it works or not. It's not about working. It's just about, uh, you know, grabbing a quick buck, you know, 100 bucks or 75 bucks or whatever the, um, the going rate is now to replace uh, a, a catalytic converter. Uh, excuse me, not to uh, replace the converter, but to, uh, you know, for the, the junkies or whoever are, you know, stealing these things. Uh, to, you know, get paid for it. And, uh, you know, so be, be careful. Be careful with your cars because it's, uh, you know, these, these components that people steal out of them uh, are very expensive. Not just the catalytic converters, it's people that uh, steal uh, computer pieces and so many different things out of uh, your car because so many of these things are valuable now. You know, it used to be a, one of the little electronic boxes cost, you know, 15 bucks. Now, uh, those electronic regulators uh, that they have in, in a lot of cars for the ignition, you know, it's two, three, four hundred bucks. And there's a lot of unscrupulous, um, <laughs> unscrupulous uh, uh, a repair shop. Not a lot. I, I don't want to. Uh, but there are people out there who buy that stuff and recycle it. I hate to say that, but it's it's a fact of life in the automotive business. All right, one more thing I want to update you on too that we have uh, spoken about over the last uh, few weeks is the street racing scene in Tacoma and in other places like Kent and all up and down uh, the Puget Sound, there is... Uh, you know, there's the street racing going on. The summer's here, and it's only going to get worse. We're coming into a time of year when kids are going to be out of school, uh, where those who, uh, you know, uh, hang out at places like Dick's Drive-In and places like that. Now, I'm not saying that they're all street racers, but those, you know, drive-ins and stuff are popular places for people to go and hang out and to talk about uh, setting up matches and runs and stuff like that. It's a place where, you know, kids come together and they talk about this kind of stuff. And then they go uh, out to the port, which is not far away from a lot of the, uh, the places down there in Fife and Tacoma where, they, uh, where they're doing this. And unfortunately, uh, there always seems to be uh, a tragedy of some kind every summer with this kind of stuff. You always see that one, you know, you turn on the TV on Saturday or Sunday morning and you always see that, you know, three people killed in a, in an accident, uh, four people killed on an accident of speed and so on and so forth. And I know that the Tacoma city council was exploring ways to try to fix this. I think that for my money, the only way you're ever going to fix it 
is to give these kids a place to go and to let off steam. I think I heard one council person in Tacoma talk about it in, in, in very smart terms. Find a place where these kids can go and race and consider it an activity and back them up and look at the cars to make sure that they're safe and do all of this stuff and make it um, such a penalty, including impounding your car if you get caught racing on the street. Make it so that if you get caught racing on the street, you're going to pay with your car. You're going to pay, um, you think uh, student loans are bad, wait and see what you pay for this, but the fine should be proportionate because it's time to stop losing lives uh, from street racing. You know, when I was a kid, we used to street race, but we had a place to connect an highway that was a sunk, open cut roadway where we would stand on top and watch. And even if there was a horrific accident down there, it was the driver and maybe the person he was racing that got killed or hurt or maimed or walked away from it, you know, the degrees of what could happen. And you don't have that situation here. You're racing on a level ground without barriers, without anything, uh, with the people that are watching. It's a recipe for disaster. And the Tacoma Police, the Tacoma City Council, as well as in every city up and down the Puget Sound, need to work together to address this. And I think that, and I hope that some of the leaders of these cities and the police chiefs and sheriffs and everybody get together and try to come up with something to get the street racing off of the street, to entice these kids and older people, but mostly kids, to go to a track on a Friday and Saturday night and to wear helmets and to have cars that will pass an inspection. Not to mention the fact that it would probably help out police community relations at this point when they need all the help they can get. Um, it's a way for you to reach people in a, in a time where there's a, a fear of the police among many people. Uh, there's, um, you know, and listen, we appreciate what the police do, but the police over the past couple of years haven't had the best reputation in the world. And that has to change too. And these are the types of programs that the, that get the police and young people on the same page and get them talking to each other and get them knowing each other. And I don't know what the harm in that can be. I just don't know. So um, I, the thing to do here, and I'm going to keep on top of this, uh, I certainly... Uh, would volunteer to go down there on a Friday or Saturday night and check cars in and, and uh, you know, be the track announcer. I mean, I would do just about anything uh, if I thought it was going to save a life. 
I don't want to see another person die uh, or get injured or maimed because of a street race, especially when it doesn't have to happen, especially when there's an alternative. But summer's coming. And as uh, Bruce Springsteen said, summer's coming and the time is right for racing in the street. And that's exactly what you're going to have. So I hope that the uh, the uh, powers that be in, in these communities uh, get away from the politicizing of this and do something that will that will get this thing off of the minds of people and onto the actual uh, tarmac and asphalt in places where these kids can go and race and open up their cars so that they're not doing it at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday afternoon on Ruston Way or around Green Lake or down by the Edmonds, uh, Edmonds Ferry Dock. There's better places to do it than there. But you got to open up the fences and let people in and organize it and have a, uh, you know, have it be something where you get a better idea. There's a lot of cops that love cars. I mean, I would imagine you would have a ton of police officers that would volunteer to spend some of their time doing something like this. It's a fun gig. You get to meet people. You get to toy around with cars. Uh, you get to get a better understanding of what's going on around you. You make friends with people. I think it's a, it's a great idea. And I hope that it uh, hope that it comes to uh, to fruition. All right, let's do our uh, Yo, Vinny. What are you driving this week with Nathan? Uh, Nathan, it's uh, Yo, Vinny. What are you driving this week? Oh, Nathan, I'm glad you asked, man. I, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was, I was getting started talking about street racing, and I almost. Uh, Missed the whole thing there, but the, what am I driving this week? First of all, Nathan, how is your week going? Okay, it's going well. Good, good. I'm glad that it's uh, it's going good. I always like to check in and make sure that uh, you're doing okay. All right, what am I driving this week? I am driving the Mitsubishi Outlander uh, plug-in hybrid. How do you like that? I love a car with two gas tank doors, one for the electric and one for the gasoline. Uh, this is a hybrid. Mitsubishi has been cranking out these hybrids for a while. And um, I, 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 I enjoy the way this car drives. Uh, I like Mitsubishi. I think that they do uh, put out a Spartan type of car. There's not a lot of fancy going on here. Uh, the They obviously sunk their money into engineering on this car. The interiors are, are good, but they're not great. Uh, the, uh, you know, the little, there's little quirks about the car that you, uh, you get into it and it takes you a while to figure out. I mean, I think I'm getting pretty good at you know jumping in a car after 30 years of driving a different car every week. You uh, 
you know, you kind of get an idea of what's going on and how quickly you can adapt to these cars. But unfortunately, with the Mitsubishi, uh, there's little quirks with like the uh, gear shift lever and so on and so forth. Then it takes a while to get used to. I mean, it's a hybrid. It travels on electric for a certain distance. You can use it as a solo electric for, I think, around uh, 30 miles or so. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's just, a, it's a, you know, it's a vehicle that you look at if you want to drive something a little different. It doesn't come anywhere near the top of many of the categories that we rate cars on. Uh, you know, it's middle of the pack or worse. It's not, uh, you know, the reliability is, um, is, a little, is a little questionable about it. And uh, some of the other things, it's not, a, it's not a darling of the media, even though it's a hybrid. But, you know, it's funny. You read other reviews, you look at what other people say about cars. I always look at them and I try to go in without a preconceived notion of what a car is or what a car is, uh, how it performs. I go in to find that out for myself. And I got to tell you that in my heart, in my gut, when I drive this car, I like it. It's, you know, again, it's not the most luxurious car. It's not uh, the most powerful car. It, it runs in the middle of the category for most SUV categories. But it's, it comes in as adequate. It comes in as a car that will do what it's supposed to do without a lot of flair. The other side of the coin of what really brings this car down also is resale value. It doesn't have much. Uh, when you go and you look at this car and you say, okay, I'm going to keep it uh, three years, four years or whatever. It, uh, you know, it loses a lot when you drive it off the lot. It loses a ton of money. But if you're going to buy a car that you expect to keep for a bunch of years, it's certainly worth you going and looking at. It doesn't score high in many of the categories uh, that we use when we test cars. It is roomy. It is adequate. It has a nice ride to it. And um, the electric part of it is, uh, is something that's worth looking at. There are just a lot better vehicles out there. And I hate to say that because I like Mitsubishi. I like their cars. I like the Lancer, you know, the old Lancer and all those cars for some reason. Uh, there are just a ton better vehicles out there for around the same money or just a smidge more than you're going to get with the Mitsubishi. So that's, uh, Yovani, what are you driving this week? Hey, they still have a week to change my mind on this car. So we certainly are open to that, and I'll be driving it a lot this weekend. And uh, hopefully next week I'll have some good things to say about it. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, but I do have to tell them like you see them, you know. Sorry, my throat was getting a little raw there. I had to take a sip of coffee. All right, let's do this. Let's do the road test right now as well. 
so we can get that um, out of the way quickly. And then we'll, uh, we'll come back and um, uh, after that and get things uh, rolling for another week. Uh, time now for the Drive Time Road Test. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this is all good. This one is all good. This is the, uh, we take a look this week at the Ford F-150 Platinum. And this is a, this is a great car. Uh, it really is a great truck. Uh, Ford is, you know, listen, there's a reason that they sell more of these than anything else in the United States. There's a reason uh, that Ford and the F-150 have been at the top of the heap for so long. Uh, you know, Chevy tries to catch up with them. Uh, Dodge, or Ram, I should say, uh, tries to catch up with them. And probably out of the manufacturers that are doing pickup trucks, uh, Ram comes closest. Ram is a you know, it's a spectacular brand. But the thing about the Ford, the F-150, this Platinum, and the F-150 in general, is you can buy this truck for whatever you need it for. If you want a truck for luxury, if you want uh, a Lincoln-esque type of truck, if you want something that you can load the family in on Sunday, and take them to church or out on a picnic, this truck does it. If you want something that is a work truck, but is a, a high level office, mobile office, the F-150 Platinum with this, uh, with, with this great hybrid system that they've come up with in this truck is without a doubt what you should be looking at it is um well let's talk let's let's talk about the interior first you get in this thing it's a big truck but it's slung lower to the ground so you're not you know jumping up in the f350 uh, and you know you need to ladder to get in everything like that it's a pretty simple truck to get into once you're in there there are executive chair like seats you feel like you're sitting in a in a, in a beautiful uh, lazy boy in the front seat of this thing as opposed to sitting in the front seat of a truck. It's really that simple. Uh, so you sit there, you sit high, you sit comfortable. All the controls that you need are there right in front of you. It's very easy to figure out. And this latest generation of the Ford Sync system which is their infotainment system, is logical, works great, easy to figure out, and really is um, such an improvement over previous generations of this uh, infotainment system. One of the coolest things I thought in this vehicle was a button that you push on the center console it will lower the gear shift lever flush with the console, 
you then unfold the um, the center box, and it unfolds into a desk, and you now have complete with a power outlet, a desk that you can sit there and do your work. You can kind of lean, you know, swing around, lean back a little bit, and it's like you're sitting in your office. Awesome configuration. Uh, interiors made of great materials. Uh, the leather on the seats, uh, uh, totally configurable inside. If you need to put that back seat down to haul stuff inside out of the rain, you can do it. Uh, if you need to put those seats up, put a car seat back there to carry the kids or grandma or whatever, you can do it. It configures in many different ways. You go outside of the truck, very attractive looking truck, extremely attractive looking, and walk around the back of the truck and it's got the long bed. You drop the tailgate. Uh, there's another piece on the tailgate that you drop and a step comes down and you're able to step up into the back of the truck. It even has a little rail that you can hold on to while you're stepping up into the back of the truck. Uh, so you're not dealing with the situation where you're showing off more of your um, posterior than you want to. <laughs> you know, I mean, it happens. You get a cold morning, you're trying to get in the bed of the truck, uh, you know, and all of a sudden your, your butt's hanging out. You don't do that with the Ford. You step up into the truck. Uh, the other neat thing that they have in the back of this truck is they have a full tilt boogie power system. So when you're back in, you can uh, when you when you're there, you can plug in your uh, your uh, skill saw, or you can plug in your power tools and run them off the generator that's in the truck. Simple, especially if you have a blackout. You, this truck again is a work truck. And it's the first work truck I've seen that you can sit there and from the factory, plug in your power tools and do your work. The inside of the bed uh, tailgate in the back has a um, measuring device on it. So if you need to measure wood while you're cutting it or you need some way to measure something, you don't have your ruler in your pocket, it's right there on the bed of the truck. It's the little things like that that the way they design this truck make it your life as a as a, a carpenter, as a, a person who uses their truck for work, makes it more of a, a tool. It's really a, a, a spectacular truck. And now the best part is it has this power boost technology that allows you to run the truck on electric for part of the time and on gasoline the other part of the time. So if you're driving around town, like I'm driving around here in Edmonds, it's on electric. I'm not using any gas. If I get it out on the highway, it pops in all by itself seamlessly and you're using uh, your gasoline. Uh, great horsepower, even with a load in it, it still has uh, 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 you know some get up and go. And it's a, it's a spectacular truck. 
technologically advanced, comfortable, stylish, and a truck that um, kind of says, hey, you know what? I've, uh, I'm the boss. I deserve something a little, a little nice. Uh, if you're a, a person that travels around again, you put somebody in the seat of this, the passenger seat of this truck to talk business with them, and they got to be impressed when they're looking around. They're sitting in leather. The seats are bolstered nice. It's a, it's a fantastic little ride. And uh, the particular truck I drove was uh, 73,000, I believe. And for what trucks are going for today, well worth it. If you measure them up against what trucks are going uh, for these days off of the dealer's lot. They're hot commodities, they're getting everything they can for them, and they're succeeding. Uh, as far as handling, it handles well. It uh, it has all the little touches that make your life easier when you buy this truck. Uh, you know, I always say your your preference when you buy a truck always comes from what your father drove, what your mother drove, what your big brother drove. It always seems to come down to that, doesn't it? Uh, with the Ford, with this particular Ford, I think if you grew up a Chevy fan, which I did, and you take a look at this truck, you're you're saying, "Wow, I never I, I never knew Ford did things like this." Um, I think Chevy's going to have to step up, and Ram is going to have to step up to the plate with this truck as well, and design a truck that is. I don't want to call it an executive truck. They call it a platinum. I'll call it the executive. When you've made it, this is the type of truck you go out and buy. And that is this week's edition of the Drive Time Road Test. Speaking about trucks, uh, we have our, our cartoon of the week. And we wouldn't want to leave you um, without that because we know that you hang out and you look for that every week. So what do you say we go country this week? And since we're talking about trucks so much, we have an artist named Red Simpson, who tends to do a lot of songs about truck drivers and truck. And here is his own. Uh, you've heard of a boy named Sue? Well, this is On a Truck by Red Simpson. And the girls they've left behind. 